Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Here's a guy who gave his whole life to Christ. We're actually listening into his thinking out loud of the options of life and death, going, mm, I'm not sure which way I should go. Why does he think this way? And this is so important for us to see. He sees both are marvelous opportunities. He's not picking the lesser of two evils. He's full of joy because each option is full of Christ. And in his mind, he cannot lose. During his trial in jail, the Apostle Paul demonstrated joy at the crossroads of life and death. Why is he not filled with fear of the possibility of having his life taken? Pastor Jim will continue to teach on this joy-filled letter to the Philippians, where Paul is so amazed by the opportunities of life in this world to continue to teach the gospel and pour into God's people but also filled with anticipation to be with Jesus in heaven. This perspective of life and death makes him fearless, selfless, and full of joy. Now let's open our Bibles and join Pastor Jim for part two of his message entitled, Joyful Crossroads. We'll have more information about the church and how you can get a copy of today's message, but for now, here's Pastor Jim. Christianity is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is Christianity. Christianity is not behavior. Although behavior is important. Although your behavior without Christ is really just that. It is behavior without Christ. The Bible says that anything that is not of faith is sin. So you must have Christ. But Christianity is not behavior. Christianity is not about which political party you belong to. I know that's blasphemous for some people, but it's not. Christianity is not about a set of way we wear our hair and the way we dress and the way all these other things that we do. Christianity is Christ. Christianity is not sacraments. The Bible, the New Testament teaches two sacraments, okay? Baptism and the Lord's Supper. But that is not Christianity. Christianity is Christ. Church, Christianity is not church. Come with us on our outreach and you say to people, are you a Christian? And they'll go, yes. How do you know? And they'll go, I go to church. That's not what makes someone a Christian. Someone is a Christian who has turned to God and put their trust in Jesus Christ. Now, is church important? Absolutely. The Bible tells us to go to church, but it is not Christianity. It is impossible to understand Christianity without knowing Jesus Christ personally. How many of you know people who seemingly walked with the Lord for a little bit of time or even years and then they gave up? We all know people like that. Why? Because it was whatever, but it wasn't knowing and experiencing Jesus Christ personally. Or we know people who have followed Jesus for a season and then they just end up really off, really weird, really against the word of God, even though they might say that they are believers in Jesus. They have not known and they have not experienced Jesus Christ personally. So where does it start? I've already said it a number of times. You turn to God and you put your trust in Jesus Christ. And at such point, you enter into fellowship with Jesus. 
What is fellowship? A friendship, if you will, an intimacy, if you will, and then you begin to follow Jesus. Now, some people, very obvious, Eeyore Christians, we just talked about them, they seem to lack joy in their walk with God. Do you know any Christians like that? Some of you look like you need another cup of coffee, or you might be that, right? What is it that someone who lacks joy, I can pretty much tell you it's usually this, they lack fellowship. They're not, if you will, refueling their Holy Spirit tank with the Word of God and meeting with Jesus on a daily basis and getting into His Word. So here is the real question for all of us, and it is quite soul-searching. You don't need to yell it out. You need to just finish this sentence. For me, that's what he says here, right, in verse 21, to live is blank. What does it mean for you to live? What do you live for? And let me ask you this. When you die, will that be the end of it? There are many things that we can live for, right? But when we die, death will snatch them out of our hands. And the apostle says, my, my philosophy of life is I'm not going to live for anything. It's not going to be my primary motive of something that can be snatched out of my hand by death. So I choose to live for Christ. This is why the Roman Empire had absolutely no idea what to do with the early Christians that they arrested. I mean, the apostles would come into a town, Apostle Paul and his church planting entourage, tell people about Jesus, people would be healed, demon people would start following Jesus, all kinds of weird stuff would be going on, and then the, the politicians would be like, what's happening to our city? All these weird people are now becoming Christians, we don't know what to do with them, and they would threaten them, but they realized that these people embraced a way of living that was not limited to earth, that they embraced a way of living that saw beyond the grave to another life all the way into eternity. They didn't say when they appeared in court, okay, just kill me, just kill me. I mean, life is miserable. I hate it, this is bad. No, they didn't say that, why? Because life wasn't miserable for them, even when they were under arrest, because their life was full of Jesus Christ. They were rich in spiritual blessings in the fellowship they had with Jesus and the fellowship they had with one another. The idea here of gain, he says, and to die is gain. The idea is for a committed follower of Jesus Christ that we keep gaining more of Jesus each step we take. We are to keep gaining more of Jesus with each day that passes. And the Apostle Paul would say, that's why I love to live, and that's why I want to keep living. But it's also why I'm okay with dying. That's why I'm not holding on to either one of them so tight, because I want to know what it is that God's plan is for me. Now, let's remember, he's in jail on false charges. Let's remember, there have been other preachers who have been publicly against him. But he has joy. You see, as we're going to see, he has a very unique struggle that he's going through in this section of the letter, and it's not his problems, although his problems are real, because his problem is simply this, his struggle is simply this, is that each fork in the crossroad has Christ. If I live, it's Christ. If I die, Christ. If Caesar lets me out of jail, Christ. If Caesar cuts my head off, Christ. So no matter what happens for a Christian, the end is Christ. 
So his philosophy of life is that no matter what happens, I will gladly and joyfully live with Christ. I will gladly and joyfully serve Christ, the Savior, as we quoted in Galatians 2.20, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, before we move on, let's at least consider that. Isn't that true freedom? I mean, isn't that wonderful? That even though the problems of life are real, you're saying, you know what? I know that the Lord will take care of me. I know that no matter what happens, it will end up well for me because Jesus loves me and Jesus gave his life for me. That's why we struggle a lot of times with our guilty consciences, right? Because we're not loving him. We're not giving our life for him. And we struggle in our decisions. Number two, the Apostle Paul had a theology of death. He thought about death. Look at verse 22. He says, but if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Now, let's just stop there for a second. What is he saying here? If I live on in the flesh, now flesh in the Bible can be either your sinful nature or it can be just your body. So he's saying, if I live on in my body, it will mean fruit from my labor. If I get out of prison, more people will hear the saving message of Jesus Christ. More souls will come to faith in Jesus Christ. There'll be more maturity among the people who are already followers of God. But notice this and notice this well, Christian friends. He says here, fruit from my labor. Many people say, in my own personal ministry, I'm not noticing any kind of fruit. It takes work. Fruit from my labor. Fruit from my work. No work, no fruit. Maybe you're saying, my life, no fruit. You have to ask yourself, is there work? And then he goes on, and actually, this section to me is a little bit on the funny side. He says, yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between the two. Let's just stop there for a second. He says, you know, (laughs) okay, living and dying. Hmm, if the choice was mine, it's hard to decide. I really can't make up my mind. And he tells us, he explains it to us, having a desire to depart. Let's stop there again. That word depart, we know would mean die right? But it actually literally means to break camp. So you're camping. He says, I'm camping here on earth, right? It might be time for me to depart, pack up the tent, pack up the campsite and go home. It can also apply to the untying of a ship. I'm in a port, but it's not my home port. Untie the ship and then I'm going to go home. So he says, I'm having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Do you see how he sees death? He sees death as breaking camp, as being a ship that is untied, that is departing to be with Christ. That's what death is all about to him. And as much as to live as Christ, as much as he loves living, as much as he's embracing the human experience, he says to be with Christ, to be dead, if you will, is far better. Now, death is no threat to a true Christian. And a true Christian realizes that we all live at the crossroads of life and death every day. This is why we try to make every day count. 
This is why life is so precious to us. This is why life is so important to us. And here, in dire circumstances, perhaps even on death row, the Apostle Paul is so calm. He's so clear. He's not freaking out. He's not flipping out. He's just writing as if everything was going to turn out fine. And we said that this passage, verse 19 to 26, is very personal, and he's actually thinking out loud. This is incredible. You got to listen in on the prayers of godly, godly people. And here we have arguably the most successful Christian who's ever lived. Remember, we don't count Jesus because Christianity is Christ. But here's a guy who gave his whole life to Christ. We're actually listening into his thinking out loud of the options of life and death, going, mm, I'm not sure which way I should go. Why does he think this way? And this is so important for us to see. He sees both are marvelous opportunities. He's not picking the lesser of two evils. He's full of joy because each option is full of Christ. And in his mind, he cannot lose. Now let's think about this for a second. How odd is this thinking compared to our culture? We do everything we can do to postpone death or at least postpone talking about death. It's almost like to Americans, death is an embarrassment. Like We want to pretend like it doesn't even exist. Many people buy life insurance in case they die. All right, it's one to a customer. We're all going to die. Should we have life insurance? Yes, but not in case we die, depending upon when we're going to die. And the Bible teaches that we all die once and then we meet God. The Bible says it is appointed unto man and woman to die once and then the judgment. What is the judgment for? What you did with the Savior. What you did with Jesus Christ. Now if this is it, if we just go in the ground and die, then of course we should be materialistic and live for pleasure. Of course that should rule our lives. If this is it, it's a pretty disappointing prospect, isn't it? If this is it, then we should live for ourselves. And I would tell you that the Apostle Paul would not think that is a ridiculous remark. 1 Corinthians 15, 17, he said, And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are completely wasting your time. I am completely wasting my time. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead because Christianity is Christ, and if he's dead, then Christianity is dead. But he even goes on further. He says, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. And why? Because you're still in your sins. Still under the judgment of God for not living a perfect life, for living a life with our back turned to God. Notice the wording he used here. He says, I'm going to depart and be with Christ. Is that how we think about of our death? Is that what we think about? Do we think that we're going to die and to go home with Christ? Or is maybe something else that we're thinking of? See, a lot of times Christians only think as well, well I'm going to have all these problems we have here. That's not to live as Christ. And the reason he thinks this is for a Christian, death is the entrance gate 
into the immediate presence of Christ. And on earth, the Apostle Paul has great intimacy with the risen Christ. And friend, you can too. You can't apart from the Bible. You can't apart from prayer. You can't apart from living for God because when there's that great disconnect, there's a great disconnect. But death provides an opportunity, an open door for greater intimacy with Jesus. Now, there will be people who will knock on your door and say, well, this is what happens when you die. Uh, You die and you just go to sleep. And then eventually when Jesus comes by in a long time from now, he'll wake everybody up and then you'll be with Jesus if you're a Christian. Well, let's really say, is that possible what the apostle's teaching us here? To me, as I read it, the tension that he has is between serving Christ and seeing Christ. Do I stay here and serve Christ to live as Christ, or do I want to go see Christ? There's a tension between being intimate with Christ here and being intimate with Christ in eternity. I see no tension between serving Christ and taking a nap, do you? I don't see it at all. He is thinking, okay, I'm with Christ now and I will be with Christ when I die. There is no in-between time. We call the in-between time what they would call sleeping. They call it soul sleep. Uh, Theologians call it the intermediate state or the disembodied time when we're with Christ but we are not with our resurrected and glorified bodies yet. That's why it's very important to think of death in the initial phase as not as a place where you're walking around but as a person where you are spiritually with the Lord Jesus Christ. The apostle is clear here. He would prefer death, but not because he hates life, but because he loves the Lord and to be with him, look at what he says, is far better. Now on the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ through the cross and resurrection, he defeated death. So death for the Christian is not the dreadful enemy it is for the rest of the world. And in an odd sense, death is a welcome friend because it is the way that the Lord brings his children home. Because we, like Christ, will never die because our hope is in a resurrected Savior. And the Bible teaches that for a Christian, death is not moving from the worst to eternal life. Like, I can't wait to get out of this place. No, not at all. But it's moving from the best, okay, to live as Christ, to the far better, to die as gain. It is just getting more of Jesus. But friend, before we leave this section, let me just say something with the utmost of pastoral sensitivity to all of you who have lost loved ones. This does not mean we do not mourn the loss of loved ones. We have experienced a great loss. If they died in Christ, they have experienced no loss. They are going on to something far better. But we have experienced a great loss. And so much of Christianity sometimes is, well, let's just call it what it is. It's plastic, right? And people who don't believe, and particularly our young people, they're looking for a realistic demonstration of what this Christian life really is. And so when someone dies, let us not be plastic and pretend that it affects us in no way. It's just not real. Well, you say, well, look at the Apostle Paul. He doesn't even care if he dies. 
Of course he doesn't care if he dies. <laughs> but he certainly cares if others die. In chapter 2, we'll be talking about a fellow by the name of Epaphroditus, and he brought this gift to Paul, and the Apostle Paul is now writing basically a thank you note back to the, the church in Philippi. And we know that in the travels, he became very sick, almost to the point of death. And this is what the Apostle is going to say, that the Lord had great mercy on me, the Apostle, because I would have had sorrow upon sorrow had he died. I would have been sad. It would have been great loss for me. Many of you are familiar with John chapter 11. A fellow by the name of Lazarus is sick. Mary and Martha send for him. And it says that Jesus waited. He didn't go running. He waited. And they told his apostles, he's dead. But I'm going to go raise him from the dead. And then he comes, and what, very interesting enough, he comes, he tells Martha and Mary that he's the resurrection and the life, that you need to believe in him. And then he goes to outside the tomb. And, you know, for most youth group kids, their favorite verse in the Bible is John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. I heard somebody just yell it. <laughs> right? Why do the youth group kids like it? Because it's the shortest. It's like, here's my Bible verse, memory verse for the week. Jesus wept. And then he raises Lazarus from the dead. I'm going to challenge a little bit of our thinking. Um, what's the miracle there? Now, most people would say that he raised Lazarus from the dead. But, you know, like a lot of times people say every time a baby's born, it's a miracle. But it's really not. It's just the way, the natural order of things that God has put into place. And God raising his people from the dead is just the natural order of things. Not one that we're used to seeing, but it is for him. So what is the real miracle? I'm going to challenge your thinking. You can disagree with me. That's fine. I think the real miracle is that the incarnate God the creator of heaven and earth, the one with the ability to call life and the universe into existence with a single word, Jesus Christ, the one who could raise people from the dead simply by calling out their name, stooped so low to cry with people that he loved people so much that he was willing to enter into their grief, to enter into their pain, even though he knew he would rise Lazarus from the dead because he knows the loss is great for you if you've lost loved ones. He knows it hurts. He knows it's painful. And he never asked you to be plastic about it. What does he ask you to do? To come to the tomb. To come to the gravestone. To pick up the picture that's on your bedside and to weep with him. That's how much he loves you. That's how not plastic Jesus is. But when we who are Christians break camp, when we leave port, the uncertainties of life are left behind and only certainties lie ahead. Now there's a lot of books written about heaven. In fact, the Southern Baptist Convention, the second largest denomination in the country outside of the Catholic Church, the largest Protestant denomination has voted to not to carry a lot of the books anymore because the Bible is largely silent on heaven, except on the most important certainty of all, and that is we will be with Christ. Then all those who have turned to God, put their trust in Jesus, 
will be made more alive than they have ever been before. There will be no more pain. There will be no sorrow. We will live an eternity of unsurpassed joy. My dear friends, a proper theology of death, what happens to us when we die, being ushered into the presence of Christ will help us to enjoy and embrace this life. Thank you for listening to Changed by Love Radio, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. We are excited that you joined us today, and we hope and pray that you will join us again next time as we continue to learn more about Jesus verse by verse in the book of Philippians. If you would like a copy of today's message on CD, simply contact us at Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills at 973-659-3380. Keep in mind that we need today's date to ensure you get the copy of the correct teaching. You can also write us at Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or send an email to info at changedbyloveradio.com. Don't worry if you haven't been able to write that information down. Simply log on to www.changedbyloveradio.com. There you'll find all the information to listen to this message again or receive your own copy. You can also give securely to help Changed by Love Radio share the good news of Jesus Christ. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through the book of Philippians. Glance at the clock right now, and please make plans to join us next time here on Changed by Love.